So listen, I told you that this was going to be a fantastic series. I don't think that I lied at all. I have loved every single week. So first week, White Christmas, we learned uh, that we need hope to deal with disappointment. Last week, if you weren't here, you missed a great one. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, um, which is oddly enough an extremely popular Christmas song. Uh, what we learned is that there is tragedy, there is pain, it is real. It is real, right? And we have, we've got... We've got to have peace. We have got to rest in peace. We talked last week about how to do that. And then this morning, we just heard um, the um, awkward song, <clears throat> Baby, It's Cold Outside. So, uh, what, you know, that, uh, I, had a, I had a direction we were going to go in, and, and the whole idea was, Baby, it's cold outside. We need one another. When I was a youth pastor, uh, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that says, If two lie down, um, they keep warm together, and I used to tell kids all the time that was the, the hayride verse in the Bible, that if you were on a hayride and you were close to each other, you'd stay warm. I, in hindsight, I realized as a youth pastor, probably not the best choice of, of verses. And so that's when I went with Ecclesiastes 9.10, and I told girls, like, if a guy gets close to you and you want to slap him, just hit him as hard as you possibly can, because Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever you find for your hand to do, do with all your might. So um, that was kind of how I tried to cover it. But anyway, as, as I was prepping for the, this, this, um, this morning, baby, it's cold outside, God really started to change the direction on me. He really started to change um, what I thought I was going to talk about, how I was going to bring this home and just say, man, we need one another. You need to be in a group. You need to be in a community group. You need to be on a team. You need to be with other people. And as God really started to change this for me, he really started to tell me, you know, it's not, that's not the goal. That's not the goal, and here's why, because this morning we're going to talk about it's cold outside. It's, this is a cold world, and we've got to stay warm. And what I realized as I studied was it's actually possible to be in a group of people and still be cold. Now, we need a little bit of science to help us out with this, okay? So uh, put on your science hat. I'm going to do my best to teach you some science. And here's, here's the science. How does the body stay warm. And here's what I found. You probably already knew this. I'm a little slow, but it took me a while to find it. I read it this week, and I loved it, okay? So here's, here's how the body stays warm. When you go outside and your hands start to get cold, you put on what? Gloves, right? When your head starts to get cold, you put on a toboggan, right, or a hat. When your feet get cold, you wear well, if you're like some people, you just wear flip-flops in the wintertime. You're like, why are my feet cold? Because you have flip-flops on in the wintertime, right? But you wear wool socks. You get really thick socks. All of those are external things that we try to use to warm up our hands and our head and our feet. But the way the body actually stays warm is it's all from the core. So as your core is warm, then it pumps that blood. Your heart pumps warm blood out to these extremities, your head, your hands, your feet. So actually putting gloves on or toboggan or, or socks, that's not a bad thing, but those are all external things. And really what God wants to do is he designed the body to heat itself from the inside out. So much so, this blows my mind, so much so that you could be out in the cold Wearing gloves, wearing toboggans, wearing the, like five pairs of wool socks. But if you're in the cold long enough and your core temperature starts to drop, your hands and feet and head will never get warm because your body will actually stop pumping warm blood to the extremities so that it can keep all the warm blood in on the vital organs. So here's what it, it dawned on me. If I tell you to get in a group and you get in the wrong group, 
with the people that we're going to talk about in just a minute. You'll be in a group, but you'll actually get colder. It's like if I had a fire right here, and we were all, and I know you do this, we're all around the fire, it's a campfire, and you get so close to it, and you're just like, this feels so good. Wow, it's really hot, right? You start to move away. If, if we had a group around that fire, and they're warming up, you could take like four, five, six people and take them out of there. They're still a group and put them on the other side of the field where there's no fire, and what are they? Cold. Okay, so this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about how we're either going to cool down or we're going to warm up. Is that good? Either cool down or warm up. You've got note sheets. You're going to need to write these down. There's going to be tons of verses. I'll try to read to you what I can. Um, but if nothing else, I'll give you the references. They'll be up on the screen. And uh, let's see if we can figure out how we can either be cooling down or warming up. Now, here's why that's important. Proverbs 4.23. If you're a leader here, you've been to some all-leader meetings. You've already heard this. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. For from your heart, everything you do flows from your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Everything we do flows from our heart. So guard your heart. Guard the inside of you, the internal temperature of you so that everything flows from it, okay? So we want to do that. Here's how we're going to do it this morning. Um, instead of pushing for you to join a community group, instead of pushing you to join a ministry team, um, a servant leader team, I want to just teach you four things that can cool you down and four ways you can warm up, okay? Now think about that. We cool down. So when our core temperature, when our passion drops, it drops, we come, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. When we start to cool down, we lose a heavenly perspective. Bless him, Jesus. And we gain, we start to focus on the earth. We cool down. All we can see is this. But when we warm up, we gain that heavenly perspective again, okay? So first things first, let's do the worst first, okay? Let's talk about four, four things that can cool you down, okay? So um, if you're taking notes, I, again, I didn't start this to be a, the series of acrostics, but it's kind of turned into that. So here's four things that can, um, that can cool us down. They spell the word cool, which I'm not trying to be. Okay, here we go. Four things that can cool us down. Here's C, and there will be. I think they're up on the screen in case you don't know how to spell it. Cynicism. Cynicism will cool you down like that, Okay. Cynicism. Um, what, what is cynicism? Here's a, here's a couple terms for you. It's um, fault-finding, judgmental, critical spirit. Romans 14, 10 through 13 says this. You then, why do you judge your brothers or sisters? Why do you treat them with contempt? We'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore... Because of all that, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. We tend to forget that we don't get to sit in the ultimate judgment seat. Cynicism puts us in that seat. Okay? Only God sits there. All of us are going to face that someday. Romans 2.1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. We're often critical in others of what we hate in ourselves. So cynicism, um, this would be, this might not even be the glass half full people, right? This might be like, I don't have a glass. 
people, okay? Just cynicism. They're just, they're grumpy. They're never in a good mood. They're always, they're always seeing the, the worst in other people. As a matter of fact, we tend to judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. See how hypocritical that is? I would never do that. Eh, you probably would, right? So cynicism. These are people who, who grow cynical. They often have little to know, and this is the part you're going to hate. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me if you don't like it. People who are cynical often have no control over their tongues. They gossip. They lie. They talk about other people. They run people into the ground. They're always complaining. They tend to have no control over their tongues. If you're in a church in that world, you don't gossip. You share, Right? I just feel like you need, to have, you need to pray about this. Let me just share a prayer request with you about the person that I can't stand and is really getting on my nerves. So cynicism, okay, cynicism. You can see just, just us talking about it. Can't you just feel it? Like, man, if, yeah, if I'm, around, if I'm around cynical people, I just, it just cools me down. I'm just like, I have no, I have no warmth at all. It's just, ugh, just, I hate the way I feel, right? Cynicism. Here's, here's O, the first O. And I'll explain it. I'm going to say it, and you're going to you're gonna like it, but I'll explain it. Opinions. Now, there is not anything inherently evil about opinions, and we all have them, right? Everybody has opinions. There's nothing wrong with having opinions. But if we make personal opinions into corporate commands, that's a problem. That's a problem. Personal opinions into corporate commands. Romans 14, 1 through 9. It's it's a lot. Let me just read it to you really quick. Paul said, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I think there's something in there for for vegetarians. I'm not sure exactly, but something about that. So verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Just paint the picture here, okay? It's like they're sitting down to have this big meal, and everybody's looking at everybody else's plate. Not like you look at people's plate in the restaurant and wish you had it. Right? Like, I wish I'd have ordered that. Like, order envy. That's not what we're talking about. They looked at everybody's plate like, I can't believe you'd eat that. What's wrong with you? They're all looking down their nose, literally, at the plate and judging the person based on what they're eating. And Paul's saying, have none of that. Verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat, sorry, does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Verse 7, for none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, verse 9, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. What, what does all that even mean? Obedience is being faithful to what God said for you to do. Opinion is when you make what you're supposed to be doing what everybody's supposed to be doing. Oh, and you don't think we don't struggle with opinions? Are you kidding me? Like, again, I hope none of this, if, well, we'll get to that oh next. But anyway, KGV only? I mean, really? You don't think the church struggles with opinion and preference? 
well, you, y'all shouldn't sing those songs. They don't come from a hymn book. Or you shouldn't have those. They're up on, a, they're up on the, the, the wall. They're on the screen. You shouldn't show videos. I can't believe that you let Phil and Jen sing a song that had the word drink in it. You think we don't struggle with opinion? Are you kidding me? An opinion will cool your faith like that. Have them all you want. Submit them to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's saying. Romans 16, 18, 2. I mean, I'm sorry, Proverbs 18, 2. Listen, this is about as strong as it comes in the Bible. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. That's strong, right? Like if you didn't like it, it's because the Bible, I think, maybe just called us fools, right? But it says we find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Is that for me? Is that hot chocolate? Oh, man, I was, like, I was hoping for hot chocolate with, like, mini marshmallows. Thanks. That would have been awesome. He'll come back with it next time, I'm, I guarantee you. So, cynicism and opinions, here's the third, here's the second O. I have to say it, it's offense, right? It's offense, and you're like, how can offense? It's just wood around my house. How does that cool my faith down? Offense, offense. Um, so I'm going to give you a really quick diagnostic tool so you can decide whether or not you're offended. If you're offended and I'm talking about being offended, you're offended. There you go. The very fact that I brought up the word offense and your first reaction was, oh, he's talking about me. You're offended. That's a really good way to know. Offense, listen, offense is a prison that you have turned into a home. Proverbs 18, 19. Listen to the way this is worded. A brother wronged, or some translations say offended, a brother offended is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. What is he saying? Every time you have an offense and you argue about it, you put one more bar on your own prison. Offense is a prison that we've turned into a home. Nothing will cool you down faster than offense. Luke 17, 1, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Some translations will say this, it's impossible for offense to not come. What does that mean? It means it's impossible for you and I to live in this world and not have somebody tick us off. So I know that's hard for you to believe because you're sitting in church and you're like, but I thought Jesus made all of us want to sing together and be around a campfire and roast marshmallows and eat s'mores. No. Jesus ensures that we will all be in heaven together forever, which means down here on earth we should probably figure out how to get along because we're going to be together forever. He doesn't stop people from having opinions, from being cynical. He just tells us to keep ourselves from being offended. You will always have the opportunity. You will leave here today. I can guarantee you today at church something will happen that you have the chance to be offended about. I've, I've been preaching for like 12 minutes. So it's possible that in the last 12 minutes I've already said a handful of things that you could be offended about. You will say hey to somebody today, and they will turn and walk away and not say hey back, and you will get in the car and be offended. And the whole time, they never even heard you. 
It's impossible for offense to not come. But let me give you the good news. It might be impossible to live without getting offended, but the Bible says it's possible to live without staying offended. This is good news. Okay, so check this out. Psalm 119, 165. Listen to what it says. Great peace have those who love your law. Let's just translate that. We've been talking about peace. You'll have a lot of peace when you love the Bible. If you love the word, you'll have a lot of peace. And then check out this next part. And nothing can make them stumble. Now, you got to go back to the King James to get what that word stumble means. But it means offend them. Great peace have those who love your law, your word, and nothing will offend them. Now, I don't want to teach John Bevere's course, Beta Satan. You should take it. Definitely, we offer it all the time. At least once a year, we offer it here. But he uses this illustration. I love it. He talks about how professional wrestlers, he always thought that was fake, right? Until he had a neighbor who was a professional wrestler, and he said suddenly he realized, like, they actually hit each other with chairs. But they're just so doggone big that it doesn't really hurt them. He said, but if they did that to me, like if a 300-pound man jumped off the third rope onto me, I'm dead because I'm, like, small. But they can jump off that rope onto each other, and it hurts, but it doesn't really hurt. And he said, that's what this verse is talking about. They have so built themselves up that even things that would hurt a normal person won't hurt them. Listen, you're not a normal person. You have the Spirit of God and the Word of God in you. And that verse says, the more we have the Word in us, nothing will offend us. Like, it's possible if you're full of the Word of God that you could come to church. And this is crazy because we think Walmart is the place of offense, but it's not. Church is. Like, if you're full of the Word of God, it's possible you could come to church and leave and not be offended. You could actually get in the car and not talk bad about people that you just worship with. Do you hear how jacked up that is? We've accepted that as normal Christianity, and it's not. It's not. It's not normal to talk bad in the car about people you worship with in the chairs. It's not normal. Normal Christianity is to be so full of the Word of God that you don't get offended. So cynicism, opinions, offense, and then L is legalism. That's a big word, I know. Um, legalism is like when you make rules God. Okay, so um, let me just, get, I'll give you this little phrase. Maybe this will help you. It helps me. Legalism, legalism turns us into gatekeepers instead of grace givers. So what I mean by that is, we're the ones that determine who gets in. And they get in if they do what they're supposed to do instead of being grace givers. Legalism turns us into gatekeepers instead of grace givers. Legalism sees grace as a weakness or an excuse for bad people who can't do the right things. Again, I would never do that, right? I would never fall to that place. So something must be wrong with them. They need grace because they're horrible, but I don't need grace because I do the right thing. Like It just turns us away from the gospel. All of us need grace. What I want you to understand is that Jesus raised the standards. I don't have a specific verse for you, but just read the Sermon on the Mount. How many times in the Sermon on the Mount did Jesus say this? You've heard it said this, but now I'm saying this. And it's like, here was the standard like, don't commit adultery. And everybody's like, dang, that's strong. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, but what I'm telling you is, don't even think about it. Holy cow. Like, don't even look at a woman and think about that. 
If you, if you do, you've already committed adultery. I mean, do you just see people listening to that sermon going, I don't even like Jesus. It's crazy. <laughs> they were not laughing like that, but that's awesome. <laughs> that's what legalism does. Man, legalism sees grace as a weakness. Grace raises the standard by raising us, and I love that. See, church is not about you better do X, Y, and Z. To be a member here, you better read the Bible all the way through. You better pray two time, like two, three times a day for a couple hours. You better, do, you better witness to so many people, X number people a week. And if you do all those things, we'll have a meeting and think, see if we still want to let you in. No, that's not it at all. That's legalism. That's, well, you better raise your hands. Bless them, Jesus, whatever just broke you better raise your hands during worship. Like when we start saying you better do whatever, that's legalism. Grace, grace raises the person, and that raises the person's standards. Big difference. Grace says you are a daughter of the king. And you go, I can't because I'm not a daughter, but wow. She's a daughter of the king. Changes how she walks. Changes how she talks. Legalism says you better talk right. You better act right. You better do right. Grace says you are right. Mm. That is good stuff. I mean, I'm preaching. I mean, me and when you're having church right now, the rest of y'all are just hanging around. So it's good preaching. Two. So that, those things cool us down, okay? You got that? And, and listen, I know right now you're kind of going through a checklist going, am I any of those four? You're also looking at your watch going, dang, those four took whatever, and we got four more. But you're looking at your, you're, you're thinking about your life like, am I cynical? Am I opinionated? Am I offended? Am I legalistic? And if you are, and I would submit that all of us probably are at some, to some degree, Right? We're all cooling down at some point. Let me just, we'll end it on the good news. Here's four things we can do right now. Four things we can do right now. Not do to earn salvation, just these are four things we could do that would move us from the group that's off in the field back over to the fire. Okay? And these are all internal. Okay? These are all internal. You don't have to be in a group for this, but it's good to be in a group that's like this. Okay? Here we go. Here's the first one. W. They all spell warm. See what I'm doing? It's a gift, isn't it? Or maybe a curse. I don't know which one, but let's go with gift. Gift stands for, I'm kidding, just kidding. Okay, so here we go. Wor- worship, that's the first one. And you knew it was, right? You're not surprised. You want to warm your soul up? Worship. And I want to I set you free a little bit, okay? Because if, if you're here and you're like, I don't sing well. I mean, like, I, I'm the guy, Paul, that when I'm here and Jennifer is, like, killing it, and she's, like, hitting those high notes. I'm the guy that tries to hit the note, right? And I can just sense people around me going, shh, pipe down. Worship in your heart. Right? <laughs> worship is not about singing. That's part of worship, okay? So let me just let me show you this in Luke, Luke 24. Now, I'm just going to read to you verse 31, um, but I want to expl- unpack it a little bit, okay? So here's verse 31. There's these two guys. They're walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. And they're having this conversation. Jesus is explaining all these scriptures. The whole day, talking all this stuff. And then eventually they have communion. And the Bible says that when, in verse 30, it says, when he broke the bread, this is what verse 31 says, then their eyes were opened 
and they recognized him. Communion is a part of worship, okay? So listen, here's, here's what I wrote down. Worship is not just being around Jesus, but being with Jesus in a way that recognizes Jesus. And that's what caused their hearts. They said, my hearts, did our, did our hearts not burn within us? That's how you warm up. That made their hearts burn. Not hanging out with Jesus, but recognizing Jesus. Listen, some of you, you're the most faithful church attenders I know. I don't know if you see Jesus. I know that you hang out with him. But do you see him? Do you worship in a way that you recognize Jesus? And when you recognize Jesus, in, when you recognize his presence, man, something, maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me, but something just, I just burn on the inside. Like those are the moments I don't want to ever leave. That's worship. See, and that's so much more than like three songs. It's, and it's so much, but it's good. It's bigger than that. We're not constrained to three songs. It's so much bigger than that. Worship is a life. Psalm 16, 11, you made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The pleasures that last forever are found in his presence. So worship is being in his presence, right? And so, so for some of you, that's driving to work, listening to songs in your car, um, going for a walk, going for a run, climbing rocks, Maybe here, 7.30, prayer and worship. Maybe during worship here. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can worship. But worship is marked by being aware of his presence. Worship. Here's A. Activity. So let me explain this because I know we just talked about legalism. And I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, I'm like baiting and switching you here. Like, you know, you don't have to do anything, but you better do something. Okay? So let me explain what I mean by activity. All I really mean is this. Have you ever been cold, physically cold? And you just keep sitting there? And you get colder and colder. Moving warms you up, right? Just, just activity, just moving. It warms us up. Like doing something warms us up. I love when people get really cold and they're like, <laughs> you know, they start, you know, like, what are you doing? I don't know. I just got to move, right? I just got to move. So just if you're cooling down in your faith, it's possible it's because you're only sitting. Serving helps with that. Not as something you have to do, but it will warm you up. Standing in the cold is a lot different than moving in the cold. Um, I love John 13, 17. This is one of those verses that really challenges me because I'm a pastor, and so I love to study the Word, and I love to memorize Scripture, and I love to know a lot of stuff. This one really challenges me. John 13, 17. Jesus said this, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So knowing does not warm us up. Doing what we know warms us up. And, and you know that's true, right? You've learned a principle, not even in faith, but you've learned a principle, and you're like, that's, that's pretty cool, I like that. But then when you do it and you see the effect of it, you're like, holy cow, I love that. It just warms us up. So activity, activity. Here's R, relationships. Matthew 24, 12. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Many will grow cold, but that, he goes on to say that enduring to the end, that's a sign of salvation. How do we endure to the end? Well, I mean, have you ever done something and wanted to quit? How, I mean, you don't have to answer this back if you don't, but how did you not quit? My, my guess is somebody came alongside you and was like, don't quit. 
Don't quit. I'm, I always, when I read stuff like this, I always think about those two ladies that I met, met at the end of my second running of the Charlotte Thunder Road Marathon, which is a, a marathon from hell. I know this is being recorded, and we can share it with them publicly. It's hilly. It's awful. They say hilly. I say helly. Same thing, right? So, um, but I'm coming to the end of it. It's been a bad race. Like, I've not done well. I have cramped up. I am hurting. And you turn this corner at the end. But when I read it, you turn this corner. And when you're running towards the end, like, once you hear, turn here, you can see the finish line, right? It's like a quarter of a mile away, which at that point seems like a whole other marathon. But it's, you can see it. And I've always had this rule in my head, like, if I can see it, I'm going to run, right? Except that day. I just flamed out. This <laughs> is like, I, I turned, I was like, I'm going to do it. I can't even do it. Just I'm just walking. And these two perky, perky women. <sighs> ran past me. And they said this. Come on, it's only two-tenths of a mile. After I hit both of them, <laughs> I didn't hit them, but I beat them to the end. Like, oh, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you did not. Pulled my chafe self together and ran as fast as I could to the finish line, right? I mean, so the point is, like, don't be a jerk, but truly, like, that encouragement made me go. Listen, you need people in your life. You need relationships in your life. You, you need them so you won't quit. First Thessalonians, I won't read all of it to you, but just verse 11. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5.11 says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you were doing. Now, if we ask the question, what's that therefore, therefore, and I won't read all these to you, but if you read First Thessalonians, first, that's hard to say, Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10, here's what you'll read. The church was really getting discouraged because I thought Jesus was going to come back. When's Jesus going to come back? It's like me running a marathon going, when is it over? I just want to quit. And at the end of all that, Paul said, therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. Why? So you can make it to the end, okay? So relationships. Worship, activity, relationships. And the last one is meditation. I did not say medication. I said meditation, right? Okay? All the medication is not a bad thing, but this is meditation. And I don't mean Eastern religion meditation like home. Translation, you are so good. You're an amazing person. There's no one like you. That's false meditation, all those things may be true, but only if they're grounded in what God says about you, okay? So when I say meditation, I mean meditation on the Word of God about you, right, and about Him. So listen to what happens when we meditate on God's Word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and then we're going to wrap this up. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This is so much more than just reading the verse of the day with the version. Okay? <clears throat> Meditating is reading that verse and thinking about it and praying about it. And God, show me in, in my life how can I apply this. So when we do that, verse 3 says, that person is like a tree Planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Meditation helps us become fruitful in all seasons. Joshua 1.8, it helps us become successful in following God. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you'll be prosperous 
and successful. Listen, we meditate in order to remember what God's promised, that's about our future, and what he's provided, that's about our past. And when we meditate on that, like if I just told you to close your eyes right now, you don't have to do it, but if I just said close your eyes and think about, think about God's promises for your life. And think about what God's already provided for your life. You would be on fire for Jesus. Meditating on his faithfulness and who he is, man, it just, it just explodes on the inside of us, right? And now we've come to the part where I have to be honest and say I had no good clothes. I felt like Chantel doing the, I was like, I have no clothes, done, right? Which I know a lot of you would love that, but. I was like, God, I don't know how to land this thing. I don't have a good, and that was the best one, too. We loved it. Um, I don't know how to land it. I don't, have a, I don't have a closing story. I don't have something to move people. I, I don't know what to do. Like, we either we're cooling down or we're warming up. And then yesterday, I woke up at, like, super early, ungodly hour. It was really dark. I put on all my light, blinky things and my gloves and my arm warmers and my shoes and my toboggan, all the things that we wear when we go out in the cold. It was, like, 21 degrees. And I went outside, and I ran for two hours. Long time in the cold. And when I got done, now, while I was running, I was good, right, because I'm moving. There's activity. Your core's heating up. But once I got done, I mean, as soon as I got done, my hands were freezing, and I did what you probably do. I did this. And my hands warmed up. And God said, that thing you're going to talk about tomorrow, you know what warms people up? It's not doing a bunch of stuff. It's my spirit. The spirit of God warms the heart of man. Think about that. The Spirit of God warms the heart of man. Why would I blow on my hands? And why was it warm? Because internally I had warmth and it came out onto my hands. Adam, I have to give Adam credit for this. We were talking about this message this week and how, um, and I didn't even go this direction, but I'll just spit it out here really quick while we're closing. When a church's passion begins to cool down, guess what they don't do well? Outreach. Because their hands and feet are cold. There's no blood. There's no life. And then Adam said, and who wants to get touched with a cold hand? Brilliant. But it's not about doing a bunch of stuff. Listen to this passage in, in Ezekiel. If you just look Ezekiel 37, we won't read the whole thing, but at the beginning of that chapter, Ezekiel's looking out over this valley of dry, cold bones. And, and here's what God said. He said, I will breathe into those bones. I will breathe. And my breath will enter them, and they will live. So think about warming up, right? Everything we just talked about is all enabled by the Spirit. Look. Our worship is in spirit and truth. Our activity isn't by power or might, but by the spirit. These are all verses in the Bible. Our relationships, I love this. Our relationships are solidified by the spirit. In Ephesians, it says the spirit of God enables us to say, Abba, Father. Right? But we love that. We go, I'm, he's my daddy. Right? He's my daddy. Woo! Love it. No, 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 no. You're missing half of the truth. If he's your daddy, and that same spirit enables me to call him daddy, then we're, we're brother and sister. 
we better figure something out right here. Because it doesn't do any good to love your dad and hate your siblings. So we better figure something out here. The relationships that we have one, with, with one another, they have to be fueled by the Spirit of God. They have to be. And meditation, man, I know people that know the Word of God better than I'll ever know the Word of God. But meditation only leads to transformation if the Spirit of God breathes on the Word of God into my life. So this morning, if you're cooling down, the only way to really warm up is more of the Spirit of God. Because it's the Spirit of God that warms the heart of man. Not more religious activity. That's not what this is about. Not me convincing you that you're horrible and you need to do something different. No, it's just like, God, I, restore to me the joy of my salvation, right? Breathe on me again, God. Make these dry bones live. Warm me up from the inside out. That every time I open my mouth, man, your fire is just coming out. And this morning, I just want you to close your, your eyes. I want you to bow your head. And I'm going to give you the, the opportunity to respond as we close to just a very simple invitation. Are you cooling down? The four things that we talked about, cynicism, opinions, offense, legalism, do you see those four growing in your life? And as it grows, as they're growing, is your passion beginning to shrink and it does not make you a bad person can i just set you free it makes you a person just a person who this morning by the grace and mercy of god has been led to this place so that you could hear this message so that you could receive the spirit of god and he could begin to warm you up and if that's you this morning i'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and say that's me i need i need the spirit of god to warm me up this morning thank you so much Thank you so much. Mm. All over the room. Here's how I'd like us to close this morning if we could. We wanna, I'd like to pray for you. We'd like to pray over you specifically. And um, I know that you just raised your hands and now you're like, if I'd have known you were going to tell me to stand up, I would have done that. But I know that you, I know that you want to be warmed up by the Spirit so desperately that you, if I asked you to jump through a brick wall, you'd probably do it, right? So I'm just going to ask you, if you raise your hands, would you just be willing to stand where you are? Just stand and say, that was, I just raised my hand. I'm just standing up because I want, I want the Spirit of God to blow in my, breathe on me. Thank you so much. Just all over the room, all over the room. Can we pray for you right now? Can we pray for you right now? And if you've got somebody, if you've got somebody that's standing next to you right now, would you just stand up with them and put your hand on their shoulder? Can we just close this morning praying over? These are our brothers and our sisters, right? We want to pray over them that the Spirit of God would breathe on them, would warm their hearts and warm their souls. But the same, that, that breath I felt yesterday on my hands, I was, oh, that feels so good. I'm, we're praying that the Spirit of God would breathe into their lives right now. And Father, I'm asking that you would, you would set a fire in their soul, God. There is a fire in them. They're following you. Your Holy Spirit is within them. And so we're asking right now that you would, by your Spirit, may just 
Blow on that fire. Just like so many of us will do over the next few weeks. We'll have fires in our homes. We'll have fires in our fire pits. And they'll start to go out and we'll breathe on those coals. And they will come to life. We're asking that your spirit right now would breathe on the embers of their soul. And that you would bring back the fire. That their hearts would grow warmer. Like the men on the Emmaus Road, they would say, did not our hearts burn within us in the presence of Jesus? I pray you'd give them wisdom, God. I pray that if they are in groups that are full of things that cool them down, that they would have the wisdom and the discernment and the conviction to remove themselves from that, to bring themselves back to a place where they are near your fire. There, God, is warmth. And if there's anything we need in a cold world, it's your spirit warming us up so that we can then, with warm hands, warm feet, reach out to a world that desperately needs that touch from you. We thank you for it in your name, Jesus. Amen.